Welcome to Protecting Your Assets, the show about protecting people, property, and most importantly, protecting your ass. I'm your host, Lucky Luciano, and I'd like you to join me for a fast-paced and often fiery discussion about security issues with my co-host, Brian the Angry Man Claimer. Whether we're piercing the veil of security, talking your duty of care, or raving about the latest technology, we'll share our thoughts on the issues, the trends that are impacting security today and into the future. So grab a coffee and join us for our latest podcast, and don't forget to like and follow us on our sponsor's website, brianclayman.com. And now let's talk about protecting your assets. Welcome to Protecting Your Assets. I'm your host, Lucky Luciano Cedroni, and with me is Brian, the Angry Man Clayman. We are on to episode uh, 30 now, so it's a bit of a milestone for us, and we have been away for a bit, um, busy uh, with life's uh, priorities, I guess, but we're back, and we're excited to be back. We've got some interesting guests lined up in future episodes, but today we're going to be talking about security's role in getting back to the office. Uh, with COVID now sort of under control in, in some places of the world and uh, companies looking to bring back their employees. Um, we wanted to focus on what security has been doing or what they can do to help make that uh, that return to work a little more palpable. So with me, Brian, the angry man, claiming as usual, and I'm going to turn it over to you as usual to talk about what's keeping you up these days. Okay, thanks, Luke. It's nice to be back. I just want to correct you on something where you said we haven't had an opportunity to do recordings at the frequency like because of life's priorities. As I've mentioned to you many times, this podcast is the priority. Yes. And you've got to get it through your head. I mean, we're up to 600,000 listeners a second. You've got to push it to 700,000. So we're, we're making progress. So what's keeping me up at night? Again, you know what? I think I've been consistent the whole year, but COVID. But things are good. But just a couple of things that I find interesting, really interesting. And it's, you know, last year at this time when COVID first struck, we were all scared. We were all praying for a vaccine, a cure. We were told it may take years and years till we got a vaccine. And we lucked out. We got a fantastic vaccine. The proof is in the pudding. The numbers are down. They say this is a vac- this is a, a pandemic of the unvaccinated. But what I find really comical is that the amount of resistance, not only to the vaccine, but to employers saying that you've got to be vaccinated, and if you're not, you've got to be tested. And I, there's two examples that just come to mind. The Human Rights Commission of Ontario just recently ruled that it is not a violation of your human rights if an employer puts the condition on your return to work. And I think that was really important uh, because I think we saw it with the unions and the TTC union. I woke yep. up this morning and they said, there's no way we're going to allow our members to disclose their vaccine status. And then the human rights ruling comes out, plus a lot of very prominent labor lawyers said that uh, uh, an employer can make this requirement and can terminate you if you don't do it. And then they flip-flopped at four o'clock today, yeah. telling their members that they have to disclose. So it's really interesting, just the political spin. You know, we've lost focus on getting back to normal, it seems. And now politics is coming. It started off with the government politicians and now the unions. It's just a lack of transparency and honesty, which is very depressing to me. Yeah, I, I agree. When I saw that this morning, I couldn't believe 
the union was taking that position and and, and it, it was beyond disappointing. I'm like, here we are finally sort of in the stretch run. People are getting vaccinated. We've got a solution to get us back in the workplace. And all of a sudden you got some clown saying, oh no, let's not share it. You know, make life difficult for everybody when it's just, just let's get it over with. Get it done. Get, and we're in the, we're in the home, we're stretched. We're in the ninth inning. Like things are looking good, you know. Uh, Ontario was saying that they their worst projections were 8,000 cases, new cases a day. We're averaging about 500 to 400. We're on a downwards uh, uh, trend. Uh, the health ministry uh, on today's briefing said they are cautiously optimistic that this thing may be behind us. Now, that's not all of Canada because Alberta is falling apart yeah. and Florida is falling apart and Texas is falling apart and BC has trouble, Saskatchewan has trouble. Ontario doesn't. So we're making progress. You know, I just find it so interesting that like restaurants, okay, they were dying and it was tragic what we were doing to small business. And we've got small business opened up now and they just got to say, you have your vaccine certificate. So maybe they won't get 100% of their customers, but they'll get 80% or 90%. That's better than what it was last year. We have such a short memory in the Western world. You, You know, we would have done anything last year to make this go away. And now that's getting better, we have forgotten and we want to take our masks off and not get the vaccines. You, you know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing and expecting a different outcome. This is just insane. But yeah, the, the only thing uh, I want to, I'll add to that uh, is the, the news about the uh, the hockey players and the basketball players. Oh, which, God. Again, it's so hypocritical. You know, if I've got to get vaccinated to go see you play, chase a stupid ball around or throw a puck around, you know what? You can damn well get vaccinated as well. I don't understand the the government's position that it's okay for them to do it, but all of us have to to comply. That just sends all the wrong signals. It's got a lot of people pissed off. I certainly ain't going to watch that garbage anymore. I'm sick and tired of this two-class system that we're developing. That's, That's basically what they're doing. Well, and I told you not to vote for Prime Minister Fancy Socks, and I told you this would happen, but guys like you that sort of left of center, or in your case, very, very left of center. Yes, that's this, me. This, this is what happened. Yeah, that is disgusting. The messaging has been skewed and messed up from the beginning. And we've talked in other episodes about the importance when you're managing a crisis or an emergency to be consistent with your messaging. Think about the words you're going to say, say them consistently, and when you have to pivot, pivot all at the same time. This has been another disaster. The government of Canada invoked, I think, a national uh, national exemption for basketball yep. players. Really? We had no trouble putting mom and pop shops out of business, mm-hmm. but the guy that made $27 million a year, in fact, you know, uh, I was reading, I forgot what team it is, there's one particular NBA team that has several guys that aren't vaccinated that are going to be allowed to Canada, but they can't even play in their home city. We're yeah. a bunch of morons. It's, it's ridiculous, and, and it really irks me because when you think about it, a guy who's making minimum wage is expected yeah. to get vaccinated or get fired, and he may lose 250 bucks a day to, that he needs to make the yeah. mortgage payments or put food on the table. These clowns are missing. One of them is going to be missing 330000 a game. So they got plenty of cash that they can rely on. It doesn't matter to them if they miss a game if they're not vaccinated. So give me a break, man. Like, let's put up our socks. If we're in this together, then that means everybody's on board, not just uh, the poor people and then the higher-paid athletes. That's ridiculous. And at $330,000 a game, that's plenty incentive to get vaccinated or at the very yeah. least get the tests or whatever the requirements yeah. are. 
it, it, it's just beyond belief. And and I want to be clear to our listeners, Mr. Cedroni and I have not turned into anti-vaxxers or protesters with masks. But the problem is there's a lot of decent people in this country that have worked hard to get us to where we are and have suffered greatly. And when you've got these fat cats, okay, being treated specially, and the mom and pop store in the little community I live in, they go under. People in the path, uh, the merchants in the path, they've just gone bankrupt. They will never yeah. return the stores. And then I hear about NBA stars, just disgusting and shame on you, Government of Canada. It but is these disgusting. Are, but these are the people that brought us the rescue of the two Michaels. They worked tirelessly. <laughs> and it's just a coincidence that the Michaels came home when Miss Wing Wang Chu or whatever her name is, I mean, sorry, I get that wrong every time, gets released. She had hardship in her $20 million mansion. Thank you, you Government of Canada. You are lucky that we're trying to keep these to a half-hour episode because that is really something that ticks me off. And the gall of our Prime Minister to stand there as they come off the plane to give them a warm hug oh. as if he did something. Oh, my God. I would have punched him in the face. And you know what? His sleeves were rolled up. He wasn't wearing a jacket. What, you, you know, the, the posturing, the insincerity, and people buy that dribble. Yeah. I mean, these poor folks have been let down by their country. They were in jail for, what, two years or yeah. three years. He doesn't even have the decency to come properly dressed. He's the prime minister of Canada. If you come over to my house for a beer or supper and your sleeves are rolled up, you're Luke, my buddy. If you're serving as a Prime Minister of Canada, I want you to look the part. Yeah, it'll be this interesting to see when they come up, because they're going to eventually start talking to the press. It'll be interesting to see what their perspective is on that whole yeah, thing. But, but they don't know any better. For all they know, Trudeau said we work tirelessly. That's all they know. They didn't see the yeah. newspaper. They're going to be really pissed when they find out the truth. <laughs> that she was on her mansion for oh, yeah. two years and yeah <laughs> and Host we even allowed her family in remember that they made an exception for yeah. covid to let her family visit hostage diplomacy gotta what love it joke. anyway let's move it along to uh, the topic of the day which is covid related but we're going to steer away from covid specific um information or or um, issues and talk about security's role in getting us back to work um, and, you know, I was downtown last week uh, with uh, some other clients and it's still it's still a ghost town, uh, you know, 11 o'clock, 1130 in the afternoon by the Sky Dome. You would think it's pretty packed with they got a bunch of road um, sidewalk cafes and restaurants. And, you know, I can count on my hand how many people were on that sidewalk. So we are still a long, long ways away from getting back to normal, as I like to say. But there's a lot that security can be doing, and that's what we're going to talk about on today's episode. So, Brian, let's open it up uh, with your comments on that. Well, you and I are still very connected with the senior security community in downtown Toronto, and especially in the financial district where the towers are and the path and, and all that infrastructure. And all my contacts and colleagues are telling me that it's still a zoo down there. It's sort of like a no-go zone. There's syringes that are on the street, people defecating the... Uh, 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 mental health issues, the homeless uh, problems are just exasperated. And it's like anything else, you know. Uh, I have a kayak and I go kayaking. My daughter is terrified of spiders. There are no spiders in my kayak, but when I leave it unattended for a week and I take it out, it's full of spiders. Well, the same type of thing. The downtown core has been disrupted. There's a, a, a unfortunate element 
and, 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 you know, people that are very marginalized have taken over, and it's not very uh, pleasant. And one of the challenges to get people back, and this is what I'm hearing, is number one, people want to make sure it's safe in terms of COVID. People want to make sure that it's safe to go downtown. And I think security has a real important role, which is often not properly understood by the operators of big buildings or businesses. I think before we start having a return to normal and people going back downtown, we've got to create an environment which looks welcoming. And at present, it doesn't look welcoming. And until they do that, every other effort to get people to back to work, I believe, is going to fail, or at least be hard, hard won. Yeah, it's it's um, it's not going to happen just because you say it's going to happen. And I remember uh, one of our—I don't know if you were with me when when uh, when we had a call with our former peers down there that we continue to speak with. Um, but in particular, he was speaking about all the efforts that their uh, property managers had had done over the last 18 months to bring back uh, business uh, employees, right? They, they had marketing campaigns. They developed strategies on how to keep everybody safe. They've got protocols, policies, screening processes, all these things that they've spent a ton of money on and time and effort, and they push it out to their tenants, and there's no one biting. Yeah. So there's a real apprehension in coming back to the workplace and that's the concern. I think the other piece that I, that I want to throw into the conversation is the fact that I think it's a real opportunity for security programs to reset with their employees as well. You know, they've been out of the office now for almost two years. They've enjoyed, you know, staying at home and not having to worry about carrying carrying their bad their badge or forgetting their ID or their passwords because everything's at the house. Um, and so it should be, I, I would think, and I would hope that most security programs should be using it as an opportunity to at least refresh, if not reset their whole program. And, you know, when those employees come back, get them to under, reread those policies, go through some training again, because 100% they've lost that knowledge and it's it's going to cost you. The gaps will open up because of it. Yeah, I, I think security has got to be at the forefront with others, such as HR, the IT yep. people, because you've got to, you know, you've got to create a welcoming environment. And as it is, COVID has changed the way we live our lives, okay? And there's a real possibility, forget about all these security issues with the downtown cores right now. People may not want to go back to work. They don't want to go back to work. They want to work remotely, you know? So I think we're in a paradigm shift the way things were. But the downtown cores are not going to die. They may not be, you know, the financial district, if I'm not mistaken, uh, and you correct me if I'm wrong, I think uh, when we did the exercises, the emergency management exercises, like, is it like 500,000 people in the, or 400,000 people in financial? Yeah. And, 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 and so, I, you know, I don't think we're going to go back to 400,000, but we are going to go back to a healthy downtown. And I think this is a time to reset, as you said, and to recalibrate. Uh, we as consultants are seeing more and more clients are asking us to look at their programs, to review their programs. And I would suggest that it's probably more important than ever before, because before COVID, things were working as dysfunctional as security may have been. It still worked and it was not consequential. Now, when we do come back to work, it will be consequential. Could you imagine if finally the big banks and the big employers get their people to come back to work and they've got to go through a, 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 a labyrinth of uh, needles and people defecating thing. How long is it going to last? So I really think security, I hope business leaders are bringing security to the table. I hope security leaders are injecting themselves to business leaders. I think there's got to be multidisciplinary teams with HR, with IT, 
with the wellness people, health and safety people, security's got to be at the table. And unless they get all those boxes uh, properly aligned, it's going to be very difficult to get a return to normal in the near term. Yeah, it's got to be a team effort. Everyone's got to be at the table and have a voice to be able to speak to that. Um, and, and getting back to the security concerns, I mean, you, you, you've, you've hit on some of them. I, I've been down there now a few times in the last couple of weeks, and you see, uh, you know, tents everywhere. You see uh, opioid issues cropping up in the news all the time. You've got shootings all the time in the city. Nothing like Chicago yet, but we have our fair share of, of homicides across the GTA. So those are all flags, I think, indicative of the decline in, in the environment down there because people are missing, right? People aren't there anymore. So yeah, bad things start to happen and no one checks them. So they continue to happen and they fester, right? Because there's no one there to report it or to respond to it. So I think that's part of the problem. I, you know, it, it's not all bad news. Uh, you are aware of a project that we're involved in with a client that's building a new uh, space in downtown Toronto. And, you know, at a meeting, recent meeting, I, I was really impressed to hear the architects and the designers talk about how things are different now. They were talking about touch points. They were talking about, you know, computer screens, uh, uh, public computer screens for wayfinding and things like that, where you'd press something, it'll tell you where ticker office is, and saying that we got to do this differently because people aren't going to want to touch things. And they're looking at ways to use your smartphone yep. uh, in place of these common touchpad type things. And really, my takeaway was these people are forward thinking and they're saying things can't be the way it was. And we're building net new, so let's get it right. And we've been invited to help with the security piece of that. I think there's got to be a lot of innovative thinking. If there's a building, if there's a company, if there's a security manager thinks that people will be back to work in the spring or in January or February and life is normal, they're going to fail and they're going to fail miserably. I think they've got to start afresh. It's like a clean slate. And they got to say, what are the risks? There's physical risks and there's mental and emotional risks. There's people are scared. Uh, uh, for no reason, for real reasons, and there's physical security risk. And I think security has to be a lot more innovative in the months to come than we've been in the years before. And, and, and I think many of our uh, uh, counterparts are up for the challenge, but I think many of them also are not. And I think it behooves uh, the employers of security programs to really make sure that their security leadership is on top of it and they know what the threats are and they know their role well yes the guys we know are are prepared for it i, I would you know i agree that they're competent and uh, you know they, they they've got uh, their work cut out for them but they've got they're, they're up for the task but we also know that a lot of security programs like any like many other departments have suffered under the the covid uh, losses and so we've seen departments shrink we've seen personnel be let go and so even though we're at a point where, you know, as we're talking about the security situation is, is riskier, we actually have less resources to deal with it, uh, which is even more concerning, right? And then when you think about the fact that they haven't been in their office for almost, well, over 18 months, almost 24 months now, come December, right, January, we're starting to knock on two years. Um, some people, like my, myself as a perfect example, when I started with my, my other employer, we, uh, I, I didn't go to the office for the first six, seven months. And since then, I've probably been there a handful of times, never with the whole company in, in the office. So 
I don't know who those people are. I don't know who belongs there, who doesn't belong there. So expand that to anybody else who's going back to work downtown, all those banks, how much turnover have they had? How many people have they let go? How many people have they hired? And employees who are sitting at home during that time have never seen these people. They could be even bosses and peers that they've never actually met in person. And now you're going back to the office and you have no clue who they are, what they're like. You know, it's a whole different set of parameter parameters that cause risks you know increased risks and, and and potential problems for for the for the pro for the company if it's not properly addressed before it starts and expanding on your point about a lot of security programs being decimated in terms of budget over the last year and a half it's the situation is only exasperated by the uh, pressures on the public sector and i give as an example when ontario announced their uh, uh vaccine passport requirement for restaurants and places of work and I think it was Minister Elliott said that uh, if there's not compliance, you're to call 911. And the police community and the Association of Chiefs of Police of Ontario said, no, don't call 911 because we don't have the capacity to deal with it. So building on that, you've got security uh, programs that have been uh, uh, adversely affected. You've got police unable to deal with the things they have to do. So it's a mistake if you think that, you know, Bill Needles, our friend yes. from Toronto Police, always said, you know, I don't know why people think they're going to call us when we'll be there in two minutes. We would like to be there in two minutes, but it's more like two hours. Well, this is an example of that. So you've got a new normal where there's going to be real stressors, and then the resources you need to navigate have been decimated over the last year and a half. So I think you talked about this. This is a time to rebuild, to reassess, to relook at your budgets, your staffing models, and your policies and procedures. First thing, and the second thing is, how are we going to communicate with the stakeholders, with their employees, with their colleagues, and let them know how they can succeed in a new normal? Uh, and again, you said it, I said it, I think many security leaders are up for the task, but I think far more are not. Right. And because regrettably, I think there's some real superstars out there and they're usually with the bigger corporations but the smaller organizations don't have access to that type of talent and i think it's going to be a challenge for them yeah and it really goes back to the you know the basics in security planning is is conducting it you know starting with an assessment right of the current situation you're going back to work what does it look like how many people are going to be in 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 the building what kind of people are going to what kind of departments are going to be in the building what kind of work do you do understanding what the risks are coming back into the space and then developing mitigation measures to to fill those gaps. But if if you don't do it, then you're just going to get caught with your pants down, right? If you just go into it thinking, oh, it'll just be like it was two years ago in 2019, you're going you might be in for a rude awakening and some nasty surprises. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think uh, that uh, threat risk assessments usually have been done every four to five to six or seven years. Well, you may have done one two years ago just before COVID. I would suggest to anyone that was listening to me, to my clients, time to do another because the threat environment has changed and it's going to change the way you deliver services, protect organizations, brand and reputation. So, you know, it amazes me how often we talk with a prospective client or just colleagues and uh, they want to uh, put in a new security system or they want a new security program where we say, well, what are the threats or risks you're trying to protect against? Well, you know what, just security threats or risks. And we say, well, you got to step back a little bit and understand what, it, what, what the adversary is, what you're trying to protect against and how many people just see that as an unnecessary expense. I would suggest if you don't know where you're going, 
you're not going to get there. If you and I decide that let's go on vacation together, but I forget to tell you we're going to Montreal on October 14th, I'm not going to see you on October 14th in Montreal. That's what your cert risk assessment is. We have a security program that has an objective to keep us safe, but safe from what? If you don't take the time to understand what it is you're protecting against, you, you know, the old things, you know, laptop thefts and, and, and muggings and parking garages, they, they've always been here, they'll always be here. But there's things that we've never had to deal with that are now on the horizon. And I dare say most security programs really haven't considered it, or if they thought about it, haven't re-engineered the program, haven't retrained the stakeholders. And that's going to be a challenge. And I just urge uh, people in authority in business to think about that, make sure that, you know, you work with HR, you're getting ducks in order, you've got legal, talk to your security people. And if you think it's uh, uh, above the ability of the security team you have, go look for talent on a consulting basis to help you. And I know, by the way, some really good consultants, but I won't mention any names. <laughs> You know, I don't even want to continue. I think you summarized <laughs> it really well. I do. I, you've, you've encapsulated what uh, what our point was today, and that is to prepare for for the eventual reopening of of your premise and put some thought into it. Don't just cross your fingers and hope for the best, because all too often that just uh, ends up going sideways on you. Um, so really, I, I think that was a good conversation, Brian. I don't think we need to say anything else. But unless you got any closing points, I'm happy with the conversation we've had today, and hopefully our Business listeners, take it to heart. Call in the resources they need, whether they're in-house or they contact people like yourself that uh, that can bring them that expertise and 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 assure them that they're they're on the path to the you know they're on the right direction, heading in the right direction. Well, you you know I'm glad you agree with me. Uh, you'd be a fool not to agree with me. I've been carrying you for so long, so you're finally drinking the Kool-Aid. But yeah, I, I think this was a good session. I mean, it doesn't have to be a long session. I yeah. just think that. Uh, uh, there was time to procrastinate. I think the time is shrinking, and I think now's the time for action. So, I, you know, I just want to end with that, saying now's the time for action. If you haven't thought about it, it's not too late, but think about it soon because it will be too late if you're returning to work in October or December or January and you haven't figured out the security angle. Well said, sir. And with that, I'm going to bid adieu to our uh, listeners. Until next time, bye-bye. Uh, Bye, everyone. Take care. That concludes this podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening and will join us in a couple of weeks for our latest episode. Please remember to like and follow us on our sponsor's webpage, brianclayman.com, where you can leave us your comments and suggest topics you'd like to hear about in future episodes. Until next time, thanks for listening, and don't forget to protect your assets. <laughs> <laughs>